for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. couple of questions I want to ask you this morning. I, I want to use this morning as a bit of a preparation for us going to Wosley's next week and um, uh, actually give you some thoughts uh, to think about and uh, we'll spend a, bit, a little bit of time doing some chatty stuff uh, between ourselves as well. Um, but going to Wosley's uh, next week, when I was praying about that, as I have been for quite a while now, um, I was really conscious of, of one thing, and that is this. As Christians, um, are you a smelly Christian? Well, this is a good question. We should ask this question. Is it a good way or a bad way? And how good do you smell? Um, now, this is, a, um, this is a very interesting question. It's an unusual question. I know when I went to PNG the first time... Uh, and Gary's in Perth uh, today, so uh, otherwise he'd be grunting approval over this one uh, when he went with me last time. But uh, when you go to PNG, the guys over there um, have very different hygiene standards from what we do. And so, and just as I've done some work with a number of folks from uh, in African nations, they have a very different standard of personal hygiene. Now, that's not good or bad, but you notice that there's a very different sense of personal hygiene. And so sometimes when you're getting in a, in a room with guys and you're praising and worshipping, uh, you actually have to wait for your nose to just sort of do the desensitisation bit before you, you, know, you sort of get into that. But then after a while, you actually don't notice it. And that sort of asked, started asking the question about this smelly, smelly stuff, smelly Christians. Now, as a kid... Um, when I was in England, I used to love, well, I still do love uh, cactus. I used to love cacti and succulents. And so the bottom left-hand corner there is a, is a plant called Esther. In England, yes, I built my own little greenhouse. I had a really great cactus collection, I know. Um, Stapeliads. And they're really quite interesting because they have a, a really quite an unusual flower, but they actually don't rely on uh, the bees or whatever to propagate them, to pollinate them. They actually rely on flies. And so the smell that they emit is an odour which is going to attract flies. So you can imagine the way that some of them smell and some of them are really quite... Uh, very, very noticeable, shall we say. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't have one. And I never got one to flower, which I was really disappointed about because I just was hanging out to bring it inside and say, hey, mum, look what I've got. I've got a flowering stapeliad and uh, doesn't it smell great? Have a whiff of this. And I'm sure she would have been incredibly proud of me as her, as her son. But these stapeliad, they have a real... But they attract flies. I don't know whether you've seen the flower in the top right hand, or top left hand, uh, or top middle, whatever uh, corner there. But it's a death flower, and uh, if you go onto YouTube, they actually have them where they they flower. They're quite a reasonable size, but they smell like rotting flesh. 
because the way they pollinate and the way they reproduce is by attracting a certain type of insect. So these, these insects are, are then drawn to this flower, even though it actually reeks really quite grossly, even though it reeks, they're attracted to this flower, the same with the stapeliads. Now, when I, when I started on a very different scale, when I started at Enfield uh, Baptist Church, which was, wow, jeepers, that was quite a few years back now, I had uh, day three or day four, so I just wanted to picture the scene, right? We've got uh, Enfield Baptist is on uh, Hampstead Road there, and they have a hall, and then at the back of the hall, they've got this little room, little office that they uh, gave me as an office, so middle of nowhere, no one's around. So mid-afternoon, about 2.30, 3 o'clock, uh, really warm summer's day, gentle breeze blowing, spending time meditating on the word of God. And as I slip deeper and deeper into a meditative state, contemplating the grace that was around about me, Next thing, I, I, just, I just got this whiff of this incredible, right, really strong smell. And it sort of made... And next thing I know, this flash of lightning comes in the office, gives me a massive peck on the cheek and say, welcome to Enfield, and then disappears. And all I could see was... I'm Because as you can appreciate, you know, when you're so deep in the contemplative state that it's, it's really hard to sort of wake up suddenly. I mean, to sort of come to a conscious level uh, very quickly and I was introduced to Heather now when I got home uh, Rhonda said to me uh, Pete who have you been kissing today I'm going like uh, nobody that I'm aware of and uh, Heather uh, she's she's passed away now but absolutely brilliant person and she left this massive lippy on my cheek <laughs> and my clothes reeked of perfume. They were really, really strong. And it's really interesting, isn't it? That perfume that, that, that uh, well, I'm saying 20-second, but it might have even been quicker than that, that 20-second rush in, rush out, that perfume stayed with me for quite a long time. Unfortunately, it wasn't expensive perfume but anyway that's fine we'll we'll just let, let that run with this but Heather was absolutely brilliant soul absolutely brilliant brilliant person she was a legend um, and when we got to know her we realized that her personality was just really full-on and that was who she was and that was her way of welcoming me but I had that fragrance lingering on my clothes for hours afterwards when I was at uni um, I was part of a Christian group and we used to do what we called cold turkey. And so what we'd do is we'd go out on campus, usually two of us, but sometimes just one of us, and we'd actually go around and share the gospel with people on campus, other students. Now, some folks really appreciate that and some folks didn't, and that's fine, but four times a week, four or five times a week, sometimes three times a week, depends on what was happening, we'd get together we'd pray, and then we'd go out and share. And that was a really great time, because we just shared the gospel. 
Um, but it was really quite interesting that after about a year or so, because we did this for about three years, after about a year or so, um, folks would actually get to know who we were. And it was like we had a death flower smell around us. Because what would happen was that they'd maybe walk on the other side of the quadrangle or walk on the other... And we thought, oh, okay, well, that's the smell of the gospel, isn't it, really? Doing this cold turkey, doing this stuff for the kingdom here, this is the smell of the gospel. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, talks a lot about fragrance. And I want to have a bit of a think about this passage today. Um, and a couple of bits around, around it, as we think about Wosley's. Because when we go to Wosley's, um, even though we're doing stuff for the community and we may only have a short contact with people, we will be carrying a fragrance with us. So let's read uh, what, God, what Paul says here. He says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal possession, and through us spreads a fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Through us. For we are the aroma of Christ to God, amongst those who are being saved, and amongst those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity." as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So a couple of things I want to pick up, and before I want to pick up Paul's smelly Christian bit, I want to just start off by saying that Paul says that we're in a triumphal possession. We're in a triumphal possession. Now, he hadn't been to Rome at this stage, so he'd never seen the Roman soldiers come into Rome after the victorious conquests of, that they had. But it would be an incredibly proud time, not only for the soldiers, but also for those watching, and a celebratory time as well. And so Paul would have had this sort of picture, I think, in his mind, because as part of the Roman Empire what would happen is that folks would talk about these sort of things which went on in Rome. And so this triumphal procession of Roman soldiers coming into Rome was about celebrating the victories that they had. And you can imagine these guys would be walking in with their aunt, their, you know, doing the, the blokey walk with their chest puffed out and so on because they were proud conquerors. Well, Paul says in verse 14 that it is Christ who always leads us in triumphal possession. Now, unlike the Roman soldiers, because they were celebrating what they had done, we, when we procession, are celebrating what Christ has done. And in actual fact, because we're stepping in behind Christ as he leads in procession, so therefore the, the weight of victory... And the weight of the battle is actually not on us. It's on Christ. Because he's the one who's gone before us. Paul goes on to say that we have through his, uh, sorry, through us, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him, as in God, everywhere, for we are the aroma of Christ. Um, 
I don't know if you've travelled overseas or not, but uh, Ron and I have fortunately done a bit of travel. And when you stop, you have a stopover. Usually, they you have a few hours stopover. Sometimes it's like a pretty big stopover. And we learned fairly quickly that after you've been on a plane for quite a few hours, you're you're just a bit crusty. You're feeling a bit crusty. You're smelling a bit crusty, and everyone thinks you're a bit crusty. Everyone's crusty. So we learn quite quickly that what you do is you go to the duty-free perfume area. And then you try all the different types of fragrance and perfume. And so when you come out of that, you're not only feeling pretty good, but you're actually smelling pretty good too. Now, uh, we got in the habit of doing that, but I found fairly quickly uh, that fragrances had one of three impacts on me. One is, after about 20 minutes, they had zero impact, I couldn't even smell them. The other one was that they smelled like cat's pee. And the third one was they actually smelled the way they should smell. That they would smell like a good expensive perfume that you're about to pay millions of dollars for that was duty-free but not profit-free and so on and so forth. So I quickly learned some of the, the, perf- the aftershaves that I could use that were suitable for my skin but that wouldn't t- make me smell like the cat had just peed against my leg. So this was really quite interesting because what does that have to do with the gospel? Well, the thing is, as Christians... We also have a fragrance. As Paul emphasised, we have the fragrance of the knowledge of God. We actually carry with us, wherever we go, a knowledge of God. We carry the fragrance of God with us. And so it's great that Belinda said in communion because that was about the fragrance that we have within ourselves as part of the community of God. So I want to ask you a question. What is the fragrance that you carry? What does it smell like? Does it smell like nothing when you go into the workplace or when you're playing sport or when you're um, uh, with the family, when you're at work, when you're volunteering, whatever it might be? Is the fragrance you're carrying with you nothingness? Does it smell like cat's pee? Or does it actually smell what it should smell? Paul says in that passage that we are the aroma of Christ to God. So you and I, we are the aroma of Christ to God. I want you to think about that for for a sec. That means you and I, in the midst of what's happened today, yesterday, this week, whatever... We are actually the aroma of Christ to God. And we carry the fragrance of God with us to others around about us. Now, I don't know what, how that um, impacts you, but for me, it really challenges me. And it makes me ask the question, wow, this is something amazing. This is something amazing. We read this concept of the aroma of God is not something which is unusual. In the Old Testament, when they were offering sacrifices, for example, in Leviticus, 
we read about, and just flick down to the last section there, um, this is about grain offerings. We read that a handful of, uh, of grain was put on the, with, fly, with flying flour, was mixed with frankincense, which was to give it an aroma, and that was burned as an offering, and that aroma became a pleasing aroma to God. Now, this is not a Monty Python thing where you see a big pair of nostrils in the sky smelling this, the smell of sacrifice. Rather, what was happening was that because the sacrifice was offered in an attitude of worship, so that then became a fragrance which was pleasing to God. Not that he had big nostrils. And so the question that I want to continually ask us is, what is our fragrance? How is it that we smell? And I'm not talking about the lynx effect. How is it that we smell? In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 19 and 20, it says, Or do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Romans 12 goes on to say, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which has got this concept of sitting on the altar. This is your spiritual worship. But it doesn't stop with the physical thing, because it's easy to think with those, well, this is just my body that I'm presenting to God, and so therefore what my mind does, my spirit, my soul, it doesn't matter. He goes on to say, look, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewal of your mind. So in other words, we're not a Christian that stays, as I've said before, you know, one of the challenges I had around ministry was folks who became Christians and then 30 years later were basically repeating their first year of being a Christian 30 times. They hadn't matured and hadn't moved on in God. The process of the Spirit of God at work within us makes us an aroma pleasing to God, but that has to be through transformation. It's a transformation. And Paul says in Romans 12, it's by the renewing of your mind so that you may uh, discern what the will of God is, what is his good, acceptable and perfect will. We're not people who stay the same. We are people who are transformed. We are people who are the aroma of Christ. We are people who carry the fragrance of God within us. Paul also goes on to say that we're a letter of recommendation. I actually like to use this idea of a love letter. I don't know whether you've ever written love letters, but probably as a married couple you tend not to now. It's one of those things that you do, and once you've got the girl, then you don't have to worry about the love letters. Um, But this is a letter of recommendation. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a little bit later on, we read that Paul says to the Corinthians, this is to the Corinthian church, bearing in mind that these are the guys who uh, were approving of the guy that was sleeping with his stepmother, that was approving of uh, the way that they treated people with disadvantage in the church, that was approving of all this sort of stuff. So this is the church that was doing that. 
And then he wrote to them, and they changed their ways. And Paul said to them, you yourselves are our letter and recommendation, written on our hearts. You are our letter's recommendation. Now this is interesting. Everyone here, and those who are not here for sickness and other bits, and, or who call Gaul a church home, are letters of recommendation of me. And you are also letters of recommendation from God to those around about. As he goes on to say, he said, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. So I wonder if, if um, we were to read your letter, how would that read? Would it be a letter of love? Would it be a letter that you'd be happy to be read by others? Or is it a letter that you're not happy to be read by others? That is written in our hearts. It's the Spirit of God that is the one who writes that letter on our hearts. Now, I've got to ask a question. Look, carrying the fragrance of God, being an aroma of Christ to God, I mean, that is, this is heavy stuff. Being a letter of recommendation. So, in other words, when people see my life, do they see Jesus? And they've got to ask this question, who then is sufficient? Who on earth can come to this? Well, I've got some good news and some even better news. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 3, he says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, that we are, that not that we are sufficient in ourselves, to claim anything as coming from us. We're not sufficient in ourselves. So I've, I've, and look, I've fallen into this trap as well of trying hard to be a Christian and trying to do the right thing and making it about me. But Paul says the reality is that of yourself, you cannot be a Christian. You might see to do all the nice stuff, but you cannot be a Christian in and of your own effort. There has to be the supernatural factor. He goes on to say, Our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. It is God at work in you that makes you that fragrance. It is God at work in you that makes that letter of recommendation. It is God at work in you that makes you sufficient. It is God at work through the Spirit. Because the reality is we cannot do it of our own volition. We just cannot. If you try to live the Christian life as being a nice person, you will fail. But if you have and rely on the work of the Holy Spirit within you, 
that is a very different kettle of fish because straight away, as soon as you become more sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, you find that you change. As I become sensitive to the work of the Spirit in terms of prompting me to do this or that, I change. As I become sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit within me to change my attitudes and my approaches, I change. As I become sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit within my workplace, um, volunteer place, recreation, family, as I become sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, you know what? I am changed. Because as Romans 12 says, we are transformed by the renewing of the mind. So in actual fact, it's not about us having to do a whole pile of stuff. It's actually about us saying yes to God doing stuff in us. It's a very different thing. Very different. Paul goes on to say, as a result of that, we are very bold. Now, I don't know about you, but if I know that somebody else is doing all the hard work, I can be darn bold as well. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 3, The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, those sort of obligations that we put ourselves under to be a good Christian just simply become laws around our necks. So we try not to sin, we try not to do the stuff that we don't want to do. And sure, don't hear me say that there's not a, not, we don't have to uh, do effort. But when it becomes back down to my sufficiency, that doesn't work. I have to be dependent on God because the Christian life is a supernatural life. It is not a natural life. But it's a life that we live out around about us. Paul goes on to say, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed by the, into the same image from one change, uh, from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed. Transformed. So I want to pull some of this stuff together. You're God's fragrance. So when you go home, you can say to your respective husband and wife, hey, babe, smell me. Smelling good. Because I'm the fragrance of God. But then there has to be actually an outworking of that because you don't want it to turn into cat's pee, do you? We also are a letter of recommendation. God has written on our hearts. We can be and we can be bold because we are in triumphal procession. We can live in freedom. And when we're caught up and wrapped up in the midst of a whole pile of stuff which threatens to pull us down, we do not have to be subject to that because we are spirit-filled, spirit-led people. Now, that is a transforming process because it's Jesus Christ at work in us. We just have to go along for the ride and say, Yes, Lord, here I am. Let me be a part of this journey. Let me be obedient to what you want to do within me. Because as, th as we do, then what happens is that we are transformed. We are transformed. So how does this work for sharing the fragrance at Wosley's? 
Now, it doesn't mean to say that you need to put your designer label perfume or aftershave on when we go to Wasley's, although, sure, go for it. Um, but it means to say that whether it's at Wasley's really or anything else, that it's about understanding that God is at work in you, but also, interestingly enough, he's at work in others around about you as well. So one of the things, one of the challenges that I want to put out now is to ask the question, okay, well, Lord, what are you doing in this situation? With the people that you meet, what are you doing? Where can I be a part of the process that you're doing in this person's life? And we're all part, just as Belinda was saying, we're all part of the process in each other's life here. Sure, we get together on a Sunday morning, but we need to continually pray as God brings us to mind, each other to mind. Because we are a part of that process. We are a part of that community. We are a part, we're not individual Christians. We're Christians in a community, in a body of Christ. So in Wesley's, I want to... and this is where I want to get you guys to start doing some thinking for a little while. There's a thing uh, developed in 1975 called the Engels Scale. Now, look, you may like it or hate it, whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's the principle that I'm looking at. So there's two guys, uh, James Engels and I forget the name of the other guy. begins with an S. No, no, it was a weird-sounding name. Um... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so do, no, anyway, I can't remember now. It doesn't matter. Anyway, these guys put together a, a scale which, look, people have used over the years, and they've made and modified and changed and played around with it and all the rest of it. Um, and, look, I, I think there's some pros and cons with it. It doesn't matter. But what I want to do is I don't want to get hung up on the scale. I'll explain what the scale is in a sec. But what I want us to do is to challenge us to think about what to do. What it does is it looks at the growth in a person in terms of knowledge of God. I've got a big one for Phil. There you go, Phil. There's a big one for you, my friend. There you go. You can give those out too. Thanks. So one to everybody, Mark. Um, So the Engel scale actually looks at how um, a person grows in their understanding and knowledge of God coming to a transformed understanding of Jesus. So there's quite a few stages there from a negative to a positive, from no awareness of God all the way through. One of the mistakes that I made when I was doing cold turkey, and I think one of the reasons, one of the challenges that, um, uh, that I had about being the fragrance of God within the uni was that what was happening was that I was thinking to myself, All I have to do is give people the gospel and they will become Christians. But I didn't respect where they were coming from. And I didn't respect where they were in their journey or their experience or their understanding with God. Now, what I've done over the years is I've actually changed my approach. So now what I do is when I'm talking to people who are not Christians is I ask the question, well, in fact, even people who are Christians as well, I ask the question, whereabouts are you on your faith journey? Now, they may not use those terms. That's not a problem. But these are the terms that I use in my mind when I'm praying. And so I ask God to give me insight as to where they are. 
because then my discussion and my questions can be focused on where they are at, not where I am at. There's a big difference. If I talk to people where I am at, the chances are fairly good. God will use some of that stuff, but it may not be successful. But if I ask the Lord to say to me, you know, as I'm talking to somebody at Wosley's, you know, they're having a coffee. Hey, how are you going on from Hope Central? My name's Peter. Um, thanks for coming today. Trust you're having a really great time. Um, we're a church and we just decided to do this for... Because people will be wondering, why on earth are you doing this for Wosley's? I mean, seriously, what are you having a picnic day for? So have a chat to folks. Be nice. I know, a bit challenging, but there you go. Be nice. Be nice. Be the fragrance of God to them. You are a letter of recommendation. And so as you're praying, quick prayer, Lord, help me to understand where this person is at so I can say something which is going to be helpful to bring them along into a deeper understanding of God. And so you ask for the Holy Spirit who is within you to guide you and lead you in terms of what you're going to say to them. This can be quite interesting and quite a challenge. But by hearing where the person is at, we can then come up with some ideas or questions or comments which may help them along this, this journey, this pathway to growing in their understanding with God. And it may just be that it's just that they're reading you as a letter of recommendation. That may be the only thing. But you know what? It's like, it's like I've said before, you know, when you go to the, the supermarket or whatever, you smile at the checkout chick or the checkout guy, shouldn't be sexist, because that might be the only, you might be the only person that smiled at them all day because those guys get heaps. You, I, need to be the fragrance of God to others around about us. Because if we're not, nobody else will be. And so at Wesley's, that's exactly what my prayer is for us as we go there. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.